Metrics are everywhere in recruitment, but are we really measuring the right things? And what could we measure to put us on the path to future success? I'm Hamish Coots, and you're listening to Talent Talks, brought to you by Seek. Kevin Wheeler is founder and director of the Future of Talent Institute and an internationally known speaker, author and consultant on all things talent. He joined me at the Australasian Talent Conference 2019 to discuss the kinds of useful metrics that can help a TA function evolve and attract the skills organisations need now and for whatever's next. Why are metrics so important or the right metrics so important to HR and TA? Well, I mean, when you look at what's going on for the last, you know, forever, uh, we've been measuring things like time to fill and cost per hire and, and stuff that, you know, is quite honestly, for from a CEO's perspective, of only minor to zero interest. You know, relative to manufacturing costs or something, it's a rounding error. And so we focus so much on these, and they may be important for us internally, but, you know, they're not necessarily important to be presented to senior management as our as the way we're being monitored and controlled, right? So there are a lot more useful things we should be looking at. What should we be measuring then? What are the useful metrics as you see it? I think it's really all about the candidates and about how they are reacting and feeling to the whole process of recruiting. You know, we should have a metric that says, uh, are candidates pleased with what they're going through? We should have a metric that says, are we building relationships in the right way with the right people? Are we able to fulfill demand really quickly? Are we creating the kind of environment that attracts the right people? Are the things on our website and in our marketing uh, drawing the right audience? So those are the things we should be focusing on. Are they easy things to measure or are they incredibly, on a scale of, of relatively easy to incredibly difficult? Where does that sit? I don't think it's any more difficult or any easier to measure those things than it is cost per hire, time to fill, yeah. whose very definitions are confusing and inconsistent. Cost per hire is one of my favorites because everybody defines it however they want. Uh, so what's included in cost per hire could be everything from the kitchen sink to, uh, you know, to whatever, and, or it could just be very narrow and very limited. But I'm going to report that as my cost per hire. So if I were to compare my cost per hire with somebody else's, it's meanings. Um, so when I look at how do I define a good relationship, that's not easy either. But you know, you've got to come up with some criteria that would be indicative that that was a quality person. For example, their, their output was at such and such a level, mm. or they were able to be productive in a certain period of time. Taking along the, the journey, the, the C-suite, the, you know, use the CEO, the example before about perhaps time to hire being a rounding error as opposed to manufacturing costs, right. how do you engage with them and bring them on the journey? Because obviously you don't want to sit down and what you think in, in all good interest are a great set of metrics and they're still either not looking at them or, or see them as a rounding error. Sure. How, how do you bring them on that journey? I think first of all, you've got to, you've got to really talk to them and understand what is it that they would feel is indicative to them mm. of good hiring? I don't. I think we assume a lot of things, but we don't have any real knowledge. Yeah. So we, you know, we may ask a hiring manager, but a hiring manager doesn't even doesn't know how to answer the question. You know, we have to get them to think about it. We probably need to get them into some sort of a, a room and have a, a chat and really try to figure out what is it that would be important to them. But I think the bottom line is hiring really good people quickly. Yeah. That's, that's the bottom line. 
So how do we define really good people? Yes. And how do we define quickly? How do we define quality? And quality of hire is one of those, another elusive measures that traditionally we measure by hiring manager satisfaction or by uh, length of tenure. Yeah. Both of which are ridiculous measures, right? Every hiring manager has their own personal bias. Yes. I may hire you and hate you and the next guy loves you. So that's not really a good measure to me, objectively, of your quality. It's just a measure of the hiring manager's opinion. Yeah. That's all it is, right? Yeah. And length of tenure, there's a million things that affect why people leave. The economy, the product, the business. I sold you a line, you know, and I didn't like it, so I leave. So, I mean, what's that got to do with, uh, with the quality of a recruiter? Or of hiring, so they're both they're both useless measures. And you mentioned before, um, you know, traditionally when we're collecting um, metrics and when we look at them, they are looking at events that have happened in the past. How important is this, and how do we set about producing metrics, etc., that can help guide into the future? Because I imagine, from your point of view, that's where they're going to be at their most usefulness. Right? Yeah. Did we did we have the right people when we needed them? Yeah. Did yeah. we have the right people in our pipeline? Yes. Yeah. Are we anticipating our needs? And do we understand that, you know, the world, everybody I've talked to today is talking about how the need for talent is constantly evolving and changing. So we're looking for the same stuff we looked for yesterday, and the company and the managers are looking for something different, right? Do we have, we anticipated that something different? Do we have a diverse skill set we can tap into? Have we built a really good talent pool that we can tap into? Uh, but mostly we're just doing replacement recruitment. Another area that you will be speaking about and you're passionate about is around workplace analytics as well. Can you give us an idea of what's happening right now in the field of workplace analytics? Well, I mean, I think we're doing a lot of analytical reporting. Mm. You know, there's multiple levels of analytics and, and, you know, and time to hire and all the metrics we've just been talking about are fundamentally reportment analytics. They're not predictive analytics. So the next step really is moving into being able to predict uh, things based on the past using algorithms and AI to help us do that. So if we know that we've, you know, these people have all excelled in our newly defined and better metrics, yes. um, then how do we get more of those people? Where are they likely to come from? What is a strategy that's likely to work best? What's the probability that if we do this, we'll get that? So predictive analytics are in their infancy stage mm. with, in recruitment. Yeah. I mean, when we look at an, an analogous field, which is marketing, they're miles ahead of us. They can predict exactly what you're going to buy next week. They know immediately what you're going to look at on Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Facebook knows all sorts of stuff about you that you never told them. Yeah. Because they've inferred it from what you've liked and clicked on and who you talked to. Okay. So we need to do that in recruiting. It's it's not rocket science, you know. If if marketing has been doing it, we can do it. How did talent acquisition specialists go away and start? To begin to better understand workplace analytics? I mean, what advice would you give to them now to pick up these skill sets that, 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 that we all feel are going to be really crucial for success? Well, I think, first of all, it's to recognize that to be an analyst, it's a specific skill set, right? And probably recruiters who are really good at building relationships are not going to be good at analytics. It's the reality of life, right? In marketing, the guys who do the marketing copywriting are not the people who do the analytics, all right? So recruiters are going to have to add a person to their staff who is focused on analytics, who can really build those algorithms and, and help them to understand these things, right? Yeah. So, I mean, yes, they should become familiar. They should have some 101 level knowledge of analytics, but they're never, in my opinion, going to, nor should they become experts in analytics. Their expertise should be in building those human relationships with people, right? 
And so, yes, we need, a, we need another specialty in recruiting, which is the analyst. Data literacy as well for, okay, if, we, if we're in agreement that, yep, the recruiter probably isn't going to become an analyst, and nor should they be, but understanding and building up um, a level of data literacy to help them um, within their role as well. Is that, is that something you subscribe to, or is it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if they were really data knowledgeable, they wouldn't be using the traditional metrics. Yeah. Okay. yeah. They would realize the limitations of those and what's wrong with those, okay? Sure. I think that, you know, most of the people, and it's no fault of anybody, most people who go into recruiting are people who like people. They're not people who think in analytical, mathematical terms, right? And, and that's, that's to their positive side, but it's a weakness as well yeah. in that they don't have that analytical side. So you need to compensate by hiring the people to work with you that have those capabilities. And yes, you should learn as much as you possibly can, uh, but I think it's, it's a sort of a misconception to think that a recruiter is going to magically become this marketing analyst, which is yeah. not going to happen. This seems to be a real shift back and a recognition that we, that we need to shift back to the human element of recruiting, building relationships. Did technology sort of get a bit too far and, and get away from us and then all of a sudden we had to almost have a bit of a correction of what we do or was the pace of change such that there was really no other way? I, that's a really good question. I think recruiters have always been trying to build people relationships. Mm. Um, I think what's gotten in their way of doing that is lack of time to focus on it. So if you've got 20 requisitions to fill for 10 different managers, you don't feel like you have the time to have a lengthy conversation with every candidate, right? So you turn it into a transactional process. So it's not so much automation got away from us, transactions got away from us. And we focus too much on the transactional side because we didn't have time and therefore the transactions made it simpler. So what's the automation is really the reason they can talk about relationships. Now I've got the technology that can do a lot of this stuff. They can schedule interviews, it can screen out a lot of people, it can limit who knocks on my door mm. and so forth and so on. Therefore now I've got a smaller group of people I can spend more time with. Sure. So you touched on it before, but uh, probably this time tomorrow there will be a full uh, room upstairs for your uh, fearless forecast, of which I've sat through or had the privilege of sitting through a few. And what are your major themes? What are you what are you passionate about and talking about in your fearless forecast tomorrow? I think the reason the, the number one topic is going to really be the fact that artificial intelligence is becoming integrated with us. We are, in effect, cyborgs in a way. In that, not in the sense that we're having physical things attached to us, yeah. but these tools give us capabilities that we never had before. And yeah. it's, it's doing a lot of the work that humans used to have to do, and they're freeing them that, which now gives them the time to do more interesting things. So, you know, AI is making us smarter. It's really becoming part of who we are. I mean, we use Siri, we use all these tools all the time. We don't think about it, but they are actually augmenting who we are Number two is the fact that I think the, the major tool that's going to help us do that are, are chatbots. Are chatbots? I think yeah. we're vastly underestimating the potential of where chatbots are going to take us. Okay. And I think they are going to be called digital recruiters. Okay. That's yeah. what they are. Yeah. Uh, and they're going to be able to take over uh, things potentially from, certainly from engagement and maybe even some sourcing to certainly screening and assessment, 
to scheduling interviews, if we still want to even do interviews, yeah. to onboarding, to follow-up satisfaction surveys, to all kinds of stuff. So when you really think about what could a chatbot do over time, it's almost everything in the recruitment process, and I'll outline that tomorrow. But um, I think uh, the chatbot is what we've all been looking for. We keep talking about how do we integrate all these technologies together. That's how you integrate all these technologies together. Then what should the recruiter really be doing? What are those high-value tasks? If, if all this is being freed up for them, what, what, in your opinion, should they be doing? Where That's should my they... third point. Yeah. <laughs> and my third point is, is obviously building relationships, you know, getting back to really creating pipelines of people that aren't necessarily people that fit a particular job, but people that have skills that we may need in the future. So I'm calling it uh, uh, having fitting uh, work to skills, not trying to find skills to fit the work. Yeah, okay. So it's really reversing our traditional model. So I've got people with all these skills, how do I use them? And how do I shape a job to make these people really effective? That sounds like a really big shift in mindset for, for the recruiter. That's 180 degrees. 180 massive. degrees, yeah. And not just the recruiter, yeah. for the hiring manager yeah. and for the company, right? What advice would you give to people that they really need to work on to set themselves up for success for the, you know, the next three, four, five, seven years um, in recruitment and talent acquisition? I mean, clearly it's develop and really build your ability to, uh, to collaborate, to communicate effectively, to influence, to, uh, to really be able to, to build relationships with people in really effective ways, to learn how to maintain those relationships over time. It's the soft skill stuff. Uh, if you can get a little bit of uh, wisdom or basic knowledge around data and data analytics, that's a real plus. Uh, but I think the real core uh, again, is those soft skills uh, that are increasingly critical. And the STEM skills, so-called uh, science, technology, engineering, and math skills, those are skills that computers are really, really good at. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what they're all about. So, you know, to become a, a super geek in those fields, humans like respect that because it is so hard for humans to do. It is so easy for computers to do. Yeah. It's really hard for a computer to build a relationship with you. It's really hard for you to love a computer. Okay, So uh, that's where people are good. That's great advice. It's fascinating talking to you, Kevin. I know you've got a busy couple of days coming up, but we really appreciate you popping by Talent Talks. Thank Lots you. Fun. Thanks. That was Kevin Wheeler, founder and director of the Future of Talent Institute. To hear more Talent Talks, head to insightsresources.seek.com.au. I'm Hamish Coots.